welcome to the metaverse. The parallel reality superseded onto the living world that distorts the real to feed the minds of massive cybernetic entities that control our lives without one keystroke of democratic feedback. There is already a one world government, but it's not run by elite individuals and ancient families. And even the most powerful person in our world is merely a servant to the emerging mind of the market and the dictatorship of money. They feed it data to build its brain. They harvest you to feed the minds of the algorithms of the value program that infinitely reduces life to commodified data to control the information economy and always optimize for profit. The old world is ending. And we have the opportunity to rethink everything. This is a show about the systemic problems in our world. And the real solutions we have today. To transition from an apocalyptic storm of war, scarcity, and ecological collapse. To create an abundantly advanced collaborative society. That sustains all life. You may think it's an impossible dream. But the alternative is an inevitable nightmare. We're your hosts, Matt Holton, Amanda Smith, and Zachary Marlowe. And together, we can move past this economic absurdity and come together to actualize our collective potential to create something completely new. We are Mindless Society. So welcome to Moneyless Society. We are coming to you live from four different states, broadcasted through satellites, shooting the uh, information that is reduced to bits of data and ones and zeros, coming to your screen. Uh, we're here with Lavra, who is a, a volunteer slash team member slash early adopter of the Moneyless Society ethos, who we connected with through the internet, through some crazy social media uh, network, algorithmic process of shooting our revolutionary content out there and they found it in an algorithm you know put it into their feed so this is this crazy process that happens every day this is that all of this so much of this has come out of these uh, networks these crazy algorithms these digital monsters that control our lives and show us what we see and what we don't see which is basically the topic of today's conversation which is basically how do we create an app to replace the government. How do we use all this technology that is currently uh, harvesting the data of our lives, turning our hopes and our fears and our dreams and our baby pictures <laughs> and our tragedies into bits of data that advertisers use to spy on us, to control us, to sell us more advertising, to sell us more products so we can keep stimulating the economy. How do we take all this amazing technology that allows random people from Africa to add me on Facebook just constantly every day, just some new person from Africa adds me on Facebook. How do we take this amazing thing that we have, this ability to talk to each other all over the world and use it for good? Lavra, take it away. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Lavra, uh, Lavra Tamutis. I use they, them pronouns. And well, I think that the major solution is going to be simply you know, taking those strategies for organizing and managing that are effective for businesses and then refactoring them, repurposing them to become useful for grassroots efforts and just changing the way that these different tools 
um, fit together and, you know, recoding them where applicable and making it so that you have an ecosystem of tools that are actually going to structure problem solving and collaboration because there are a lot of discussion websites out there, but there aren't exactly any action websites. Um, the closest you know we get is often things like change.org, which are great, um, you know, but petitions aren't going to solve everything, especially when the people that were petitioning don't care or they know the problems that people have with what's going on, but you know they're invested in not changing it. So the whole approach I think we need to be taking, uh, which I've started to do with Magnova, is to basically take the information that we have about what's wrong with the world and curate that. Curate the lists of projects that people are actually doing to make these things solvable. And you know, from there, it's you know, how do we make it more effective and more robust? How do we integrate resource-based economy into it? How do we, you know, get schedules lined up and all that stuff? So, you know, I'm starting to code things. Some of it's coded. Um, that's my approach in general. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. I mean, it's it's like you said. It's it, all this software and technology is being used by businesses. You know, um, there's a great book called uh, "The People's Republic of Walmart." That's about how Walmart is an extremely planned economy. And, you know, you know, all the kinds, a lot of the kind of sensors and uh, digital interfacing and network technology that we're talking about that can effectively obsolete money is being used today to take stock, to economize, you know, store uh, in stores, you know, like in, in big box stores, they don't manually go and count the number of, you know, boxes of cereal they have. They use sensors. They use a lot of digital processes. Their supply chains are I'm sure extremely cybernated, extremely computer oriented and driven, and just every aspect of our lives are completely run by this internet thing that has revolutionized every single aspect of the way that we live our lives. And yet it's revolutionized everything except for revolution itself. <laughs> so <laughs> that's something we're always trying to do. If I can jump in there and, and just uh, grasp onto that, the fact that you said that it has revolutionized every part of our life, but not revolutionized us toward taking action to build a better world, essentially. Um, you know, we, we hear all the time, oh, big tech, technology bad, technology will ruin the world, and it's a big polluter, and it's this, and it's that. And obviously, it boils down to the purpose it's being used for. And as Laver was stating uh, in, in their designs for Magnova, it is utilized in benevolent and sustainable and regenerative and all those buzzwords types of ways versus say like with your Facebook feed, uh, you know, when you talk about a product, it shows up in your Facebook feed later, instead of using that technology to advertise things to us and make us mm -hmm. ourselves a commodity that, that are, that are being sold to companies and corporations. We can utilize that same technology to instead say you're running low on milk or something. And in your news feed, let's say, instead of running across an ad for milk, when you bring it up, you run across some type of tool that says, uh, you're out of milk. Shall we send some? How much? When? 
you know, like a way to distribute resources versus a way to just sell them and make more and more money for the ruling class. Well, I, I have a quick question too all, uh, before we, before we dive into it, because um, because kind of we've used some of some project or like some uh, you know some paid projects like uh, I mean there are some out there that exist like Trello. Um, there's a few other big brands you know that I just can't really name off the top of my head. I was curious, Lavra, um, Lavra, uh, how do those differ um, from what you're doing exactly? Like, can you can you explain kind of some of the nuances of of where you're taking your project and how it differs from some of these kind of collaboration platforms that are out there? Sure. Um, to start, it's not a profit-making machine. <laughs> so <laughs> there's the biggest difference right away. Uh, right, and that right. isn't, you know, fundamentally like what's different about it. It's just that motivates a lot of the decisions I've made. Like, for instance, it's all mm. open source, 100%. Mm. You know, all the code is just out there now. Um, please go copy it, you know, make your own. Uh, I'm not trying to win. I'm trying to make humanity win. Um, but in terms of the tools, uh, I'll go ahead and showcase the homepage. Oh, it looks like that's going to be backwards if I do that. So I'm just going to do this. <laughs> so we have uh, a whole lot of stuff going on a Magnova, right? And so an easy way to think about it is to separate it into certain kinds of data. And then I can tell you what, you know, we can do with each of those pieces of data. So there's issues. And this is just uh, like every issue is going to have a page. It is an item. It can connect to other things. Um, so you, anyone who makes an account on here can create an issue. So this mm. is something they see wrong with the world. Uh, maybe it's a specific detail uh maybe it's some abstract thing that happens like alienation you know whatever you think is mm. a bad thing just put it on here um and that's the premise and then you have projects which are the complement to that right that's the difference really between wikipedia and this this has a wiki but it is designed around connecting the issues to the projects I see. Um, and, and, and so one yeah. of the main things I'm hearing you say is how this differs from a lot of the other uh, project collaboration platforms that are out there is anybody can access this and it's scalable also. Like, so when you put an issue in there, mm -hmm. it's not just your few teammates who view her, you, mm -hmm who you are paying for to use this platform, that issue will be seen by everybody who logs in there, whether it be five people or 5,000 people, and they can all collaborate to, to, you know, perform solutions on that issue. Is, is that, would that be correct? Yes. And the way that I've set up those connections is actually democratic. Um, mm. so if I go to the Nexus, um, and I hit load issue, and I load something, everyone on here probably has some thoughts about capitalism. So we'll load capitalism. And I'm actually gonna... Um, hey, can you do one about my ex-wife? <laughs> I'm gonna invert this as Just kidding, she's well. dead. Oh, I cannot. Um, in any case, I can... Uh, I can actually scale this up. So let's do that. Okay. Cool. So now we have uh, an issue, capitalism. We can move it around or we can click it to turn these on and off. Um, and then what I 
thought originally was how do you create a democratic map of issues so that's i people seem to be confused about it so i guess i should break it apart um so if we hit causes we're gonna uh, get a list the top five um that's our program for now of other issues that cause capitalism and every person <laughs> can click on these links and upvote them or downvote them. So, you know, if I downvote it, it disappears. Basically, what behind the scenes is happening is this edge got a, it got subtracted one from it. Um, it got one subtracted from it. And, you know, I can just uh, add it back if I still think that's a cause. So the goal here is to get from words that are buzzwords that people know and to actually break that down, it's like, okay, if we wanted to solve this, we'd have to know what causes it. We'd have to know the root of it. So, you know, you can go, you know, different depths and get to, you know, things that are more specific or, you know, find common causes. So in this case, it seems like, uh, you know, if you wanted to address capitalism, you'd have to address these other things. Um, and this is basically just a few votes from me and a few other people right now but one day once a lot of people have used this what this turns into is essentially what people think causes what and we add to that we better understand and better break down those complex issues that you know people don't know what to do with and of course uh this allows you to see projects as well so these are hmm. color coded so if you want to deal with this here are some projects that people have connected to this issue um and all of this you can do in the wiki too and it'll show you like the numbers and the scores but here is just like a visual tool but this is kind of what started magnova this was the the concept that i thought of originally i just want to uh, add a little something to that that this is the beginning of an ability to aggregate collective intelligence in the form of data. So I yes. was thinking about this the other day. Uh, I was listening to Jeremy Rifkin, I think, talk about liquid democracy. And he just said this very simple sentence about what does democracy in the age of Twitter look like? And that really got me thinking about all the data of the feedback, really, that people are every second of every day spitting out. You know, there's more, there's more tweets, there's more data in Twitter than just about every recorded, all recorded writing in human history. And so all of that is data. All that is currently you know, feeding the consumer machine and is being sold to advertisers and things like that without our will. You know, we are powering this service with our data, but that data of people saying, oh, I didn't like the new Jurassic Park movie or, oh, I really don't like that the sky's on fire. I think it sucks that uh, rainwater has uh, forever chemicals in it, everyone on earth. You know, this is data that can be aggregated into a collective decision-making process. And, you know, a system, an application like this that is more socially oriented that is uh, cause oriented and, and project oriented can take all this data of people just constantly giving giving input you know giving data to a, a system that can be aligned to values and use that data collate it balance it with with ai with you know algorithms to help help people make sense of that data and to help really gain a sense of of a democratic input that goes far beyond, I'm going to vote for my person that is going to then do something about this issue. It allows us to get the pulse of humanity on every single issue. 
simultaneously at all times in a way where people are just voluntarily saying, hey, I like this. Hey, I don't like this. Go ahead. Uh, that's a beautiful segue into the thing that's been going through my mind since I was first introduced to this concept. And that is the fact being a social media influencer for mindless society, I see how incredibly divisive and to almost no end uh, social media is useful. And Magnova is that tool where instead of because you said gauging, you know, people's uh, gauging society's pulse, right, on on whatever issue. You know, you go on like Facebook or Twitter or something, and all you see is everybody is mad. Everybody's mad about something. Nobody's doing anything about it. Um, and I'm mad say. about that. And I'm <laughs> mad about that, right? Um, but but you just you know you just scroll and you scroll and you scroll, and all you see is complaint after complaint after complaint, and justifiably so. Versus with Magnova, instead of all these divisive profiles and narratives, you have people coming together to actually tangibly collaborate on solutions instead of just yelling into the interweb void about it. Um, so that's my favorite aspect about it. And also abstractly, I just want to point out in the previous screen you were sharing, Lavra, when you were moving the little nodes around, I love how it pretty much by default illustrates how we are all part of this web of life that is interconnected and we are nodes on that web collaborating toward you know the life that we want to live and especially in in this interface that you've built yeah it really portrays yeah. the interconnectedness of that well i like it it's really cool and, and and the more people use this, the more it'll grow and the more all these things will become interconnected and you'll start to see all these issues. And it's kind of like Wikipedia, you know, I mean, when Wikipedia started, I'm sure it was, you know, probably, you know, very, uh, very, very small and not very many people used it. But as it grew over time and everything, now it's this, you know, massive database that's literally put every other encyclopedia out of business. And um, because, I mean, it literally made them all obsolete. You know, nobody, nobody wants a paper encyclopedia in their home because nobody wants, you know, 300 pounds of paper sitting on their sitting on their bookshelf that is going to be out of date in 10 years, you know, and it's going to be the same way with this. Once people start using this and once they start collaborating with tools like this, nobody's going to want to go vote anymore for politicians. They're, they're going to come together and they're going to make decisions with each other you know, to solve issues once people start using it and seeing the power that it has. And it will make systems like that obsolete. I was going to say, because we're voting on solutions instead of representatives of our problems who really don't represent us at all. You mm -hmm. know, we're, we're just we're, we're getting rid of all kinds of middlemen in this process. And that's a beautiful thing. I just wanted to say that in the spirit of getting rid of the middleman, you know, uh, Wikipedia is one of the greatest examples in human history of people doing something purely without a profit motive with no, mm. in, you know, intention of getting paid or getting returned for it. You know, every single day millions of people are out there making changes into wikipedia you know building this collective intelligence i mean you can you can go on wikipedia and change you know somebody's name or something on a on a famous person's page and just watch it and you'll see in a very short amount of time someone somewhere in the world will go in and change that and being able to tap into that collective intelligence is really what makes the open sourcing of everything as a broad economic transitional shift the creation of the collaborative commons such a revolutionary thing in human history. And that, I think, perhaps more than any other piece, the sharing of ideas and the, the ability for us to truly collaborate, to work together, not with five people in a room, not with 100 people in a company, but with all of humanity, which has literally never been possible before. And a command society, a hierarchical system, a system that is based on you know filtering and, rep and limiting us with representation can never accomplish this. So we are really 
in this profit-oriented system that you know keeps people from being able to do that, from people from having the time and the space and the energy, and you know just the basic things that they need to do things like that. I mean, that's that's what people will do when you take away the stress of not having. When you when you give people what they need, they don't sit around and do nothing and get lazy. They get creative. They get curious. They start to add and to develop and. Really, in solving issues like the climate crisis that affect everyone, we need everyone on deck. We need the feedback of every person. And it's not even like this takes us beyond like a few geniuses that are going to fix us all. This is like, you know, the data, the feedback of people in, in, you know, some random country, you know, on the other side of the world that has nothing to do with you. That person has information in their head that can feed to this collective intelligence. You know, I have to say that those, you know, the, there are geniuses being crushed in sweatshops right now, and uh, that's just something that um, we have. We got to do something about that, gang. Lobber, keep taking yeah. us down this rabbit hole. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think it's important that you know, yes, there are issues and projects, and those are like, I think, a better nexus for like, you know, getting people to action because discussion and organizations even are not always the best way you know organizations are using tons and tons of resources to just pay people to work there and you know set up their pr campaigns to get more funding and to pay people and to do the work but we don't know anything about that <laughs> well i mean about? you wouldn't need to if we had all of the things that those orgs are doing out in the open like if they had projects that they just publicly posted and other people's other organizations members could contribute to the same projects then we wouldn't have to reinvent the wheel we wouldn't even need organizations really because we could just set up these general things and have them you know map to a location um which i do want to point out is another really important feature that um is like half there uh, which are local issues and local projects. So if you go from the menu to map, um, there Computer is Computer full screen. <laughs> Zoom in, I... enhance. <laughs> yes, indeed. I can actually do that too. Um, Reverse the polarity. There we go. There we go. So Thanks, on computer. this map, uh, so this is Leaflet. Um, I use their like general map thing, but I made a database of locations that is like separate from other ones. It uses GeoJSON, um, but the way I did it was each location is recursive, which just means uh, you can go from one to the level down. Um, oh, it it's, might. It's oh, okay. Either it's mirrored or it's in it's in parallel mirrored. universe America. Gotcha. <laughs> I hope that's a better that's... place than this one. So what I was thinking is how do we get these general global templates like a issue or a project whatever how do you get from those general abstract stuff to actually actionable stuff and what i was thinking was what if we had a location database so just like issues have their own pages what if locations have their own pages and you could link them so let's say you know i wanted to see what was going on in mercer county or whatever um then i could load Mercer County, um, navigate from that map, and then I could identify an issue that is affecting that place. Um, so if I wanted to do that, then you know, I would just search 
uh, homelessness, for instance, and I'd link it. Um, and now I have a local issue page. So the whole power of this is that we can have a page about homelessness in general or whatever issue, and then a page about it in specific places. So this is for issues. So we can you know, actually talk about, okay, in this area, this is what's wrong. The goal um, upcoming is to have the same thing for projects. So you would actually have, let's say, uh, starting a soup kitchen could be a project. You could have a local project starting a kit soup kitchen in Mercer County, in which case you can actually have people in that area sign up, do the thing, and you know you have it all measured um, in a in a task list. So you know grassroots uh, global action with local implementation. That is the ultimate goal of everything Beautiful. here. That is beautiful. Um, could and it may seem obvious to some, but others might say, "Well, this still just seems like a virtual effort. Like this is still just online." You know, some some would say we're still not doing enough IRL. Um, can you in any way describe uh, in more detail how these utilities help people to organize in real life, like offline? Right. So that's exactly what the local projects will be, um, because each project has tasks. I mean, obviously, there's the point of connection that yeah. you can make with people in your local area. Right. Well, the goal here is that individual people will be able to sign up for specific tasks. So, you know, if it's something that one person can do, you make it a task on a project. Whenever you make a local project, what's going to happen is that all of those tasks will be copied into local versions. So, you know, maybe they have a schedule or maybe you know they just need to be done once or maybe they need to be done as many times as possible um that's kind of part of the the challenge in programming them next <laughs> but you know ultimately they would be things that are relevant to a geographic like physical place and that you can just do you know whether it's signing the forms for the the permit or if it's you know going down uh, knocking on doors and asking, hey, you know, this is a uh, community service or maybe look around for people who don't have homes and, you know, reach out mm -hmm. to them and say, hey, these are services that exist. So that's what I envision tasks as being not like a digital like, oh, you know, sign a petition or email this person. No, actual action is what I want to enable. What I see the potential in this is uh, for social connection because the solutions to many of our problems are in people, are in groups of people, and in things like creating communities, you know, that is really one of the solutions to homelessness is not just putting someone in a home. Of course, there are, I couldn't let the word homelessness, this horrendous word, uh, be uttered without saying that there are far more homes than there are homeless people. Mm -hmm. There is an abundance of housing, and it is being controlled and restricted because that's the essence of our capitalist system, which is controlled restriction, which it, that's what that's what property really is. That's, you know, you're controlling the access that people have to use something. But in, I digress. Basically, I see in this map a sort of layout in terms of connecting and uh, with other people in a network is being able to see and zoom in on that map to see people in your area that are in your network that are in this sort of moneyless society sort of <laughs> scenario. And mm -hmm. you can zoom into a node and that node is a community. And then in that community, you see spreading out from it the people within that community. 
So you can connect with them individually, or you can connect with the, the community personally. And I, I just really see in a more intelligent or more data-driven a, a system like this with lots of data, lots of users, lots of people putting their their data out there. Um, it it could really, you know, very easily in the same way that you know you're you say the word. Um, Oh man, I sure like honey baked ham. And then ping on your phone. Oh, honey baked ham coming up. You know, whatever. It could be like, <laughs> oh man, I really need. Uh, I have this gaping, gnawing hole of social connection in me. I like really need social connection through community. Oh man, I really would love to be a part of an agricultural community where people are growing their own food and and you know they have uh, they play music every night. Ping. You know, then there's like, oh, there's a community in your area or even nearby, or even somewhere very far away that uniquely uh, aligns with your values based upon the way that you use language, based on the way you share, based on the profile that you make about yourself, that really the sky is the limit for you know uh, intelligent interconnection through systems like this that are just not being used. I mean, we all met by the grace of God, whatever uh, blind algorithmic process uh, controls our world, We'll, we'll call it a god. The whatever. invisible hand, you know. The the yeah, the invisible hand of the algo god. Um, <laughs> we all met through yeah. sort of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all these applications. That it's kind of miraculous to find somebody on those platforms that you really, really connect with. I won't completely knock them because it is amazing technology. We did all meet through there, but it's hard work. Like I am manually sifting through people and reading comments and things like that to find people that any mm -hmm. intelligent algorithm could hook us up in a flash. Like I had a call with uh, two people, two friends in Brazil working on this sort of common direction, very uniquely uh, aligned, which is a very slim minority of people that are working on our sort of yeah. solutions, uh, the gamut of solutions that we're working on. You know, a smart social media system or a smart system that's actually aimed at creating solutions to these problems would know how to connect those people. You know, we're how many people in this world are using the words resource-based economy? It seems like... Or, or you know, uh, sustainability, or systems thinking, or any of these niche words, collaborative design systems. It seems like when you utter those words, it should bring somebody into your life to connect you. So, is that sort of something that Magnova can incorporate, or scale, or bring in? Yes, I mean all of those things. I don't, you know, I wouldn't say I know exactly how to program them all, but that the point of making a project like this, I don't just want to make my thing i have things Thank that God. i think need to be made right mm. and there are other things other people think need to be made um right. you know and part of being open source is i'm inviting anyone out there you know are you a programmer do you want to change the world mm. and do you want to just not just make the world your world but empower everyone to make the world everyone's so yes Beautiful. Yeah, sorry. So I was going to throw something in there too. Another another project that I really like um, is called Society Library. I don't know if you've heard mm. of that one, Lavra. Um, but it's this, this kind of project where uh, they're trying to essentially document all the different views on all the different subjects of society in general at large, you know, not just one, you know, pe person or group of people, but everybody, everybody's views on everything literally. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I find it like yeah, it's projects like yours, I think will end up integrating with projects like that somehow, some way in the future to, to kind of narrow down people's uh, decision-making as well. Because one of the things that I, that I think, um, 
might happen with projects like yours is sometimes there might be too much input to where it just becomes overwhelming also to where like right. like the thing Zach said earlier about, well, let's create something about my ex-wife or sorry, Marlo. <laughs> <laughs> so I find that really interesting. I kind of look forward to the day, you know, when when projects like yours kind of start collaborating with projects like that or they integrate those ideas somehow. And uh, to me, that's kind of one of the main one of the main obstacles that I think is going to be presented uh, with 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 democratic um you know vote or not i don't want to say voting system but like democratic decision making tools or project collaboration tools and things like that is like when you put a vote on facebook or something what happens a lot of the time you you start out with three different options and then by the time you know 500 people have voted there's 42 different you know <laughs> options that people have inserted yeah. in there but a lot of them are very similar you know what i mean with yeah. the oh something stated stated one thing but he just they just stated it a slightly different way or you know with like right. one slight little variation or something like that and it and it kind of almost becomes overwhelming at a certain point i was wondering if you might have any ideas sort of that sort of thing too to kind of like narrow down decision making or if there might be some sort of uh you know function in magnova that kind of does that also um, um, because that's kind of one of these issues that I've seen with these kind of more collaborative project decision making platforms too, is just, or even just voting systems, essentially, like too much input, too much decision making, you know? Yeah, so it is interesting that you mentioned voting and also note the distinction between that and, um, you know, the mm -hmm. mapping of issues and stuff, because I am writing uh, code, and this is partly to practice view, which is a a front-end framework. Um, it's a thing in web development that uh, helps you make a single page application. So I'm practicing that and making a, another website on top of Magnova um, because again, modular, uh, you know, code in different places makes it more resilient um, and, you know, more flexible. So that site is going to be all about ranked choice voting. Um, and I want to make those algorithms really portable to any other website. So whether it's, you know, our website or whether it's uh you know a co-op or a, a union. or society library or whoever wants yeah. to use it since it'll all be open source right exactly yeah yeah so i want to make that um and you know that's just one of the tools like we need a bunch of tools uh we just have to have them and you know i've outlined a few here uh and i'm trying to work with other people like um you know michael plischke of communivate or um, Caleb Rexton of LifeNav. Um, those are two other programmers who are doing cool projects um, that, you know, they have a specific niche that kind of fits with the other stuff I'm doing. So why don't we just work together, you know? Um, mm. And all that's possible, right? So the main way uh, today that I know of is through APIs. So one site will decide I'm going to format my data this way and you can get it. You can, you know, just ask for that data and it's going to look like this. Um, you know, you can filter it in these ways and the other site loads that data, does whatever they want with it. You know, they do their own website stuff. Um, so making APIs that work cross app um, in this general pro social environment, that's the goal. Yeah, I just want to stop here um, and say to our listeners, watchers, wherever you are on this wide, beautiful world, uh, please give us a subscribe, like, comment, uh, tell us how you think. I really don't just want raw data fed into the algorithm, although I really do. 
Um, but I really, we really do value your input and your feedback about what we're doing, how we're doing it, what we can talk about, what ideas or concepts or issues that uh, you find interesting that you want us to talk about. You know, who do you want to have on our show? Give us your feedback. You know, th this is supposed to be a not just an us thing, but an us thing, an all of us thing. We want this show to be a voice for people without voices. We want it to be a space where we can engage in genuine discourse that goes deeper than the surface. And you know, as this program and this platform grows, we want to expand and grow. You know, be able to have resources to put into projects like Magnova that is in our ecosystem of change that will able enable us to tangibly, you know, enter this project space to help people. So um, sort of in that note, Laura, um, I know that resource distribution and uh, gifting is a large aspect of Magnova that I would love to tap into because, and I just want to say really quickly that I was really immediately impressed with this platform. Um, first of all, just in the way that it moves and feels that I've seen so many people come at me with these Here's my, you know, website that's going to change the world. Here's my made-up <laughs> sounding name that is going to, you know, bring food to the bellies of the starving or whatever they think it is. And it's again and again so many people out there will have it. Here's my thing, it's Quizmar. It's going to change humanity, you know, it's like and they spam it on Twitter and it's just it's just really funny to me. But uh, and people are even worse like that with their crypto. They're like, "Oh, we've got a uh, Diggle coin and it's going to revolutionize humanity." You know, it's a blah blah blah. blah. But yeah, um I just I just love that this platform is so scalable and versatile when you really started talking to me about it for the first time and showing this tutorial i was really amazed with how i could genuinely imagine something like this scaling out especially in an open source platform especially with lots of people adding to it and building onto it it really can scale to incorporate and just absorb so much of what we consider government bureaucracy economy this is really the foundation of applications like this are really the foundation of a resource-based mm -hmm. system, an economy, a system that is managing our need and you know distributing it to what what are what managing what we have, what we what we want. And I mean, and I think about you know a platform like this in later stages of it when people come into it. There's social dimensions to it. There's activist you know orientations to it. But I think from the foundational point of economy, you come into this program and you say, here's my needs. I need social connection. I need friendship. I you know, need uh, a mechanic for my car. I need a place to sleep. I need a community. Whatever your specific needs are, you input that into your profile. Uh, in addition to that, you input what you have. You say, these are my resources. These are my skills. I have a master's degree in uh, dog psychology, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> I have a couch that you can sleep on. I have an extra vehicle. I have 20 acres of land in this place that's not nothing's being done with it. Whatever it is, it's a camera that I have camera equipment that's sitting unused often. I would like to be able to share it with people, you know, and uh, as a, a sidebar, we could have an objects library on a blockchain where we skip the cryptocurrency and we just have objects that people can access that we can circulate through an economy in this way. But so getting back to, so you have your needs, you have your wants, you, pr you plug people into this system and then it pairs them together. It was a very simple kind of calculation of economics of saying, here's supply, here's demand. Yeah. I mean, it's scary easy to do once you think about it hard enough it's like that's literally all you need to do you make the list of what people need and then you make those things like that's <laughs> what Kropotkin said and congress of bread you know and it's something that gets ignored like you know everyone's talking about reclaiming the means of production and they don't really think about like what does that production look like like mm -hmm. what is it mean to be reclaimed what is liberated production and liberated labor like it it's basically just people know what's needed 
because people have said they need it, not because some marketer decided that people need it, but because it's important. And, you know, they said, okay, like someone please out there, please give this to me or make it. Um, and I do want to say like ShareBay is a really good example of how this can work on a giving one-to-one -one kind of scale. Um, you know, one day I hope to work uh, with Colin uh, and, you know, I hope that we can make something even cooler that works with Magnova and share, like, you know, I, I'm game for whatever, but you know, the long story short is any tech billionaires or entrepreneurs watching this, uh, you know, you know what to do Hit our Patreon with a few mil. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> there you go. Split it. Just split it between, you know, the different patrons here. So we don't have to play over it. <laughs> But no, so I have a few other things on Magnova. If you go to the homepage, magnova.space, um, and you go to the social profit economy, basically what you said, Marlo, like it's just that. Um, you know, I had a couple ideas for, okay, well, maybe we can trust, like make sure people are trusted, I guess. Like, it, you know, everyone has concerns about how spammed and how like abused it's going to get. But I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's, that's after the fact. Like if, you know, 10 people out there are just, you know, dirtbags and they want to take everything. Well, this system doesn't really allow for that anyway. But, you know, my idea is everyone logs hours for the time they put into projects and tasks. And those hours aren't a currency of any sort. It's just there. You have it forever. And, you know, when it comes down to a person who is gifting, um, and this is just one possible solution, one that I'm going to code. I might code others if people really want those, but, um, you know, you measure that time. And if you have five people who want a toothbrush and one toothbrush is out there, like the person who has it, well, then, you know, in, you know, future land, future Magnova world, they'll be able to open a page and just you know, get a list of who's asking for it. And that is that if the list, commie government hasn't seized that toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, it, well I, I, I joke about make, that, but uh, this really is an anti-authoritarian structure. It's true. Yeah. This really, this sort of thinking really mm -hmm. does bypass the need for, you know, some centralized authority that manages supply and demand. We don't need that. And I'd, I'd like, I, this might be a little bit of a long tangent, but we, and we've talked about it before on the show, but it, it brings to mind the, uh, beautiful creation of the 1960s or 70s in Chile with uh, President Salvador Allende's team. They Cybersyn. created Project Cybersyn, which was a resource management system yes. built on telex machines, which was already outdated <laughs> technology for its time. And they were able to create a system that increased the wages of workers by 30% that had feedback mechanisms for people working in factories to say, I'm happy or I'm unhappy. Really simple. You know, it, it was all gain, uh, oriented around giving the people a voice and increasing the interconnectivity between people and reducing the amount of authoritarian control and command of saying, you get this because I say you do. It really, you know, this is, just imagine what people like Stafford Beer would make of the technology that we have today. Imagine, <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if we really made that our priority on a governmental societal standard to create something like this and invest our efforts into building this into our system, not spending billions of dollars getting some shitty spray tanned candidate up onto the TV screen <laughs> so that they can get in there and compromise on everything that they promised that they were going to do. Yeah. Like, 
come on. And then there's no feedback process to be like, hey, you said you were going to cancel student debt. Hey, you said you were going to uh, decriminalize or, or you know legalize weed. Hey, you said you were going to cut the fossil fuel companies, not expand that. I think we all know who I'm talking about right now. But this is the Democrats' platform, and, and not even just the Democrats. I think authoritarian structures scream out and you know mandate you know structurally they mold people into this this you know compromised form where they say oh i know we said that we'd give that to you but this is really more important we need to preserve this our democracy is in peril or the union needs us or whatever it is that is the logic that is disconnected from the immediate need of the people we're able to bypass that yeah and actually that raises a really good point about how any kind of representative government leads to this like narrowing of issues to just those that will get them reelected or that will satisfy their constituency and you know it's it's all strategic it's gamed it is a game to work politics and everyone who gets there finds it out like it's not like you know just senators or just the president like it's a problem with assigning so so many responsibilities to one or a handful of people because these people aren't experts in everything they're experts in politics like they have very specific oratorship skill set you know they can read laws maybe or maybe they have someone do it for them like either way they're not scientists necessarily they're why not leave these projects these hard challenges to the experts and so you know experts are everywhere sometimes it's a person working in a coffee shop who has the great idea that will change the world um or cure cancer whatever so you know, bring that, you know, bring that into the discussion. I just want to say one more little thing about what you were just saying. And I just saw an image the other day that really fucked, fucked with me, that really just epitomized everything that is wrong with our governmental process. And it's in the city of Los Angeles, uh, who is waging war on the homeless, you know, mm. in a, in a Democrat stronghold, they are waging war on homelessness. They are de- they are criminalizing poverty. There was a city council meeting and there was all these protesters and people showed up to say, stop attacking our brothers and sisters on the streets, stop criminalizing them, stop spending more money than it would literally cost to house every single person in this city to sweep them away one step short of blasting them down with fire hoses. So there's there's this person that was up there speaking and this extremely educated person about the politics of their city, not an elected official, a person, a regular person you know, working a job, living their life, who cares about these issues enough to educate themselves about it. And they were just blasting the city council and just calling out their corruption and calling out their complacency and calling out what they're doing and, and talking about real numbers, talking about the cost of it. And there was they, they, the cops beat him down and arrested him in the city council. And there was this image, this astounding image of cops in riot gear standing between the people and this little you know golden sconced little throne of the uh, of the city council people so this doesn't just happen on the federal level this happens even at the small city council levels of an authoritarian government that uses violence you know to limit the voice of the people who are highly educated it's not like the people are stupid and need to be controlled it's that the people know and understand the laws because we have the internet in part that shows us what's going on in our world that we see the issues out on the street, the homelessness. You know, they could—they don't need to go to Magnova to see that that's the fucking issue. But if they could, they could see the issues that connect it. They could see mm-hmm. the amount of houses that exist. They could see all these policies connected to it. They could say, "Oh wait, hey, it's a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that every city council member in the city of LA just about 
is a landowner or a landlord. What does that have to do with this problem? Mm. You know, that they're not going to actually make tangible changes to land ownership, to housing, to rent control because they're profiting off of it. Exactly. Back to the profit motive. Exactly. That's why you mm. can't use these systems, right? We need a new infrastructure for action. Like government just doesn't do it. And maybe it is the best thing we have because there's a lot of debate in the left. Like, okay, well, do we trust government? Do we hate government? Well, you, you need to accomplish some things overall as a civilization and as like large and small communities. And so you need some kind of like order. But, you know, the system that we have is a joke. It was made essentially, we're in the US, so it was made to protect rich slave owners. Like that was the whole point of the Revolutionary War. <laughs> so, I mean, that government that came out. Madison said, and I quote, the primary function of government is to protect the minority of the opulent from the majority of the poor. <laughs> so that's American government for you. Yeah. And a nutshell. Uh, can we make Robert, the next you... issue? Oh, I'm sorry, ahead. I was going to say, can we make the next issue on Magnova um, abolish landlords? Like, <laughs> hey, I do it. I mean, that would be, that sounds like a project, right? Because you want to do something. Be quiet. Word what do you mean? Talking to the microphone. Well, because Make you had something to say. Um, I always have something to say. <laughs> this is true. Uh, but anyway, um, what was I going to say now? Uh, I forgot. Um, projects, <laughs> usefulness. Uh, mutual aid is a word we haven't used in this conversation. And that's mm. what's jumping out at me when you talk about, you know, creating a space where people can take tangible action on a local level. You're, you're essentially providing people with a tool to break the ice and uh, in some way or sh uh, shape or form uh, have more access to the issues and the people involved in them and the resources and solutions so that mutual, mutual aid can be formed um, without maybe uh some of these in real life tangible hurdles that we face like you were saying earlier go may, maybe going you know door to door or looking for for homeless people and stuff you know like um on magnova and using that space uh you know you may have had somebody already chime in well i noticed some people that are you know trying to stay in this alleyway on the corner of fourth and fifth or whatever you know like maybe that's not the greatest example but i just see it as being um a tremendous tool uh and and uh really being a catalyst in the efficacy of mutual aid that we need to see across the board in order to change systems from what we see now, um, you know, with this poor representation of people and their issues versus, as you were saying earlier, Labra, um, having people who are actually experts in the fields of the issues that we're trying to resolve being at the helm. Can you show us a little more of the, of the service and how that gifting economy, mutual aid uh, system would work? Yeah, so that Zoom is in, one yes. of the, <laughs> the the gift economy. I haven't quite um, programmed. I've outlined like the steps that it would have, and I have a pretty good idea of how to program those. Um, not a complete idea. I haven't done it, but the what I'm imagining is a UI where you have a shopping list. So this is the tip, easy consumer. You know, the page that anyone can go on to just ask for stuff. And then I'm imagining a separate portal for anyone who produces things, anyone who creates things. So this could be artisans, it could be DIY enthusiasts, it could be people who don't really care to make things, but they have to because it needs to be made. So 
whatever the person, um, you know, they would have a, that list, that summed list of needs, that community needs, and they could decide, okay, this thing, I could do that. And, you know, we need a lot of them. So I'll, I'll chip away at it. So they log that time. They, there would be some project in their community probably um, for, you know, with a collection of the different steps in production. So maybe a project is simple and it's like make a heater lamp that you can, you know, give away to people who are in the cold. And that could be like a do this as many times as needed kind of task. Or maybe it's complex and it has like specific steps. Either way, um, you know, they can do those tasks and they can get to a screen where, okay, who do I send it to? Um, where do I send it? So the goal would be if you want to gift things, then here's a list of people sorted by, you know, whatever you want. Maybe you want to sort by the number of hours that they've worked. Maybe you want to filter by, okay, I don't want to give someone like 20 toothbrushes like if it's just a one person and you know there's a lot of people who need it but maybe you know it's fair to give everyone like three or four you know maybe that's my capacity whatever the case that's a portal you know you could use as a producer to customize okay give me this number of shipping labels and you know tell me where it goes um so that's how i'm imagining it and then you know anyone who wants to volunteer can just find it a project and do it and if it's production then there's also a a separate screen where you figure out where to send it i just want to say a little quick notice about um the hours and things like that i was yeah. um interviewing uh, a friend who is uh of tongva origin in which is in the lands and occupied what is now los angeles county um and she was telling me that they uh used a kind of what she called money which I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily call it money, but they uh, exchanged or gave each other, gifted each other, gifted, that's the correct word, they gifted each other feathers and beads and shells to basically show their appreciation for each other. And so someone who had a lot of these items was someone trustworthy, that you take one look at that person, you say, oh, that's somebody who's very trustworthy because they've done many good acts for society. They have been uh, beneficial to the world around them. So I trust this person. And so Colin Turner has talked about how, you know, like the mm -hmm. uh, ways to increase trust in a, a sort of gifting, sort of sharing economy, things like this. It's like looking at somebody's seller rating, you know, on uh, offer up or whatever. And I think that's actually a very um, important point that we can create uh, measures of being able to give people trust and being able to say, so-and-so, you know, uh, did this for me. So-and-so was good, you know, and that, that can go beyond just like, uh, you know, trustworthiness of exchange. It can actually be encourage people to create a culture where we're constantly giving compliments and, you know, feedback on each other as people and saying this person did this, oh, this person was kind of like this. You know, uh, I think it's, it's really important for us to be able to give each other honest feedback, especially if it can be made anonymous, you know, to learn and grow and, and feedback in our own self and our own being as individuals, because I'm constantly asking people like, help me grow help me understand myself better. What am I doing poorly? Like, I really want to know when I have broccoli in my teeth. I really want to know when I'm talking too much. I really want to know when I'm, uh, you know, not meeting the mark or when I'm being a poor house guest or anything like that, because I'm 
personally on some kind of spectrum <laughs> and I don't get a lot of social cues because I'm in my own zone. I'm, you know, thinking about billions of people, you know, feeding back their data into a system of liquid democracy that, uh, you know, collates that data into algorithmic value alignment. So oh, there it is. I wanted to talk about value alignment. Um, the Google DeepMind Institute or a research project associated with that was working on something that they called a value alignment or uh, basically they called it a participatory wealth redistribution or participatory AI, where they had an experiment where they took two groups of people, or no, they, yes, they, take two, they took a group of people and they gave them a false resource, a fake research token of some kind to distribute amongst themselves to create an outcome that was best for all. That was the goal, was to create an outcome that was everybody was most happy with. So they let the people do it. And then they had an AI that was based on distributing the resources more efficiently to meet people's needs. And everybody in that experiment agreed that the AI did a better job of distributing that resource. So these, this technology can be used in a participatory way, you know, aligned to a value, not to the value of optimizing for profit and engagement and whatever the algorithmic priorities of our systems are today, which are destroying human life, which are creating this craziness of misinformation and conflict and actually incentivizing people to get on comments and talk shit. Another good uh, time to talk shit in our comments if you really hate what we're talking about, because that's good for us. We are incentivized to talk shit. That's what Twitter is. It's a place for people to talk shit. So that shit talk can be, you know, turned into a weird new kind of currency. This that's what all social media is. That feeds this consumer machine. And but, it is a currency that likes the follows and the shares. That's another discussion. Yeah, it is. And it is pretty consistent. Uh, you know, there are these principles that they take into account. And because psychology is relatively stable between, you know, all kinds of people, um, you know, everyone's is different, but there are some common, common dynamics. And those common dynamics, when applied to the pursuit of profit, they're very, you know, consistently violent really um towards users it's it is a form of psychological warfare if you want to be you know extravagant about how you describe it but it's uh it is incentivizing conflict for sure and that's why magnova doesn't really have discussion as a big deal like it exists technically um but i don't i don't talk about it you know i don't really make a big fuss that you know hey there's a forum on the page that you can use like you know, we could, but if it's not as important as the data and, you know, it's, it's useful to have those places to talk in those like comment boxes. But at the end of the day, that's how we think, you know, that all internet has to be when in fact you can do equally simple things that have much more meaningful consequences. It's all a matter of how you like what those algorithms are and why they were written that way like what the algorithms writer believed about you know private property and the human spirit like and their purpose their purpose really overall yeah. i think too right yeah like there's so much that goes into you know programming that we take for granted um at least i've seen people take for granted you know it's just do the corporate optimized best practice thing like that's mm -hmm. what you do it's not critical as much right and, 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 and i mean 
the purpose behind your program here essentially is to solve these issues. It's not to make a profit, whereas a lot of the purposes behind these other things that are out there is to make a profit. And that's why the issues don't get solved. You know, they, they, there's collater- collaborative platforms in existence, but their their ultimate purpose is not to solve these issues. Their purpose is to make a profit. And, you know, if we if we change the purpose, then everything else above that changes. It's, it's going back to systems thinking, essentially, like we were talking about before. And, you know, the leverage points that Donella Meadows uh, details and purpose is one of the highest leverage points there is. If you if you change a, a purpose of basically it can change all the other dynamics of how that of how the system works as well as the eventual outcome of the entire system too and yeah. uh, you know purpose is one of the strongest things you can change of, of anything so you you can you can bake thanksgiving turkeys all day long you know but whether they're going to be sold on the shelves of walmart or whether they're going to end up at a homeless shelter or or something like that is that's really the difference that purpose, you know, makes. And then it changes lots and lots and lots of other things within those systems and structures. Yeah. And when the highest purpose is to generate money within a market, you know, those turkeys are always going to end up in the hands of the people with the money. And say there's a scarcity, mm-hmm. which is the purpose of a market supposedly to manage or maintain scarcity, that the people who have the most money, the most of that made up token are going to get the food. As as uh, Richard Wolf said, I interviewed him, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, he said, you know, a rich person can uh, there could be a milk shortage. A rich person could buy that milk and give it to their fucking cat. Whereas, you know, you have children that are starving and need it, but because that's the arrangement that we've decided, that's not how it works. So I, I wanted to say um, to go off on a bit of a tangent here and just talk about as we sort of come into the wrapping up territory, the final leg of our little journey into Magnova here. I want to talk about a dream that I had several years ago. And I don't often remember my dreams, or they're very strange. I just woke up from a nap, but I had a dream that this uh, TikToker was narrating a uh, video of, of, of all these uh, wild boars running around, and they were being swallowed up by a giant, even even larger boar. Very strange dream. But I had this dream several years ago <laughs> that uh, it was – I don't see technology in dreams a lot often, but it was, I was in this interface, and I was being moved through this system, and it was, it was a, an application – that was basically at its essential role is to understand and isolate the human being based upon archetypes and based upon the way that they use their language to understand this individual at an individual level. And then its purpose is to connect that individual with another individual, with somebody who genuinely connects with them in the way that Matt and Amanda and Laver and I do, to find and connect those people and then connect another person and connect another person until there's enough people, enough data in that node to scale upward, and then that community becomes an individual that is analyzed with the same scalar sort of principles that they analyze an individual, the way people talk to each other, the way people interact, and then it, it works to go out from there and find other communities to connect with that community, and then another community connect with that community, and then when it has enough that it can form another larger circle, it scales out, it zooms out, and then it, it keeps doing this until you're at the global level where you have communities within communities, circles within circles, nodes within nodes. And this really mirrors kind of the council structures of Rojava, um, where they have a neighborhood, they have neighborhood councils as the smallest unit of this, where people meet and discuss the issues that affect them personally, and they figure those issues out. And then they have representatives that scale outward to the city level and then to the you know county level. And you can continually do this so there's no person elected into that position that can limit the the will of those people. So we could create this sort of system that is 
connecting people with people. That is finding those people who have a dream, who have an idea, or who have some piece of the puzzle, but they don't have the resources that they need, the human resources, to find and connect with the person that they need to connect with to make that happen. Say you have a difficult student who's not doing well in school, you know what? but there's a teacher out there that understands this person. This was my experience in a lot of classes growing up. I was very difficult you know, from the perspective of a teacher who's trying to manhandle 30 young kids for the purpose of getting their test scores up so that they can get more funding so that, you know, the whole, you know, the false purpose of schooling. Um, whereas, you know, I did have great teachers that understood me and understood my neurodivergence and helped me and understood, no, no, that's not a problem. You, you just need to be cha- channeled into this direction. So I think that essentially all of our problems really boil down to that being the problem of collective intelligence, the problems the solutions are in each other and in our ability to connect with each other. And as we're doing through with this network, that's why I think really one of the core aspects of Moneyless Society is creating a collaborative mutual aid network and is utilizing tools and technologies like Magnova, like what Lava is doing in an open source way, like what others are doing in this network, like Colin Turner with ShareBay, like our friend Michael Pushkis, Communivate, like all these applications that can be eventually integrated into an ecosystem that's sublime purpose is to connect us with us so that you know we are able to distribute the resources that we already have, not just in creating that means of production to make new food and make new clothing and, and tools and things like that, that we have created as a species so much stuff. We have already such a surplus on this earth that's just not distributed evenly. And I think that is to extend the olive branch, to transcend the class structure, you know, to connect people of higher stratas that have more stuff with those people in an ideally of an aligned an, an algorithmically aligned way to help redistribute wealth without some kind of violent process without the point of a gun that people can begin entering into this process of saying okay I'm a rich person I don't like this structure I don't like this distance between me and humanity I don't like that this wealth generation is driving the death of the world those people can enter into that system and begin to allow this system itself to help them redistribute the wealth that they have to the people that need it so that we can start a- operating at 100% so that we can meet each other's needs so we can come together and produce a better humanity. Um, you mentioned education and I just want to uh, hop in there and say I am all too delighted to find that one of the issues on magnova.space is, and I quote, the hot garbage that is public education in America. <laughs> I love it. I love that it. was one of the very few issues I did not write, and I love <laughs> oh? that was my friend okay. Brian. Yeah, nice, nice. He was also really cool. a to Brian. huge part of the like theoretical design of Magnova and like the discussions that happened before it was a thing. Um, yeah, so he he actually did the gardening project on there too, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually put a lot of love into that. But not to detract from all of the weighted things that you were saying there, Marlo. And that's really cool to learn about your friend, Brian. Um, I, I noticed that there are a lot of really hard-hitting issues already listed on the app. And I would encourage anyone and everyone listening to go and check it out for a floor of reasons. Um, but I want to circle back to something you said in the beginning of this episode. Um, and I'm paraphrasing, Labra, but you said something to the effect of when we were talking about the uh, orientation of this project, and you were saying that it's open source and obviously, um, you know, as we've said many times over in different ways in this episode, meant to build collaboration. And you said everything that you have coded was 
based on that foundation. Like you're coding this obviously to operate in that nature. And I just think it's a really great opportunity to highlight the contrast, but also the efficacy that can be reached if we build society based on that foundation of collaboration versus what we have today in this monetary competitive society. It may seem like a duh to most people, but I just thought that was a wonderful thing. I wanted to grab to it um, much earlier in the episode, um, but you, you just stating that, yeah, everything I've built has been on this foundation of collaboration and inclusiveness. Um, and, and, and when people get to your website and they see what is possible just using the website versus, I mean, let alone what we could do, you know, in the real world per se. Um, I'm hoping that a lot of people will be able to fully grasp finally the concept of what if we built society based on, you know, collaborative processes versus competitive processes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of funny that we keep coming back to that same issue too: control versus collaboration or cooperation, you know, having compassion for one another. It's, it's, it's like a recurring theme, it seems in our, in our shows lately, you know, <laughs> con- controlling things yourself, which is really essentially what happens when you're a competitive base model is you want that control, you want to have the, re- you want to, you know, hoard the results essentially for yourself and control the entire thing, as opposed to a collaborative base model to where everybody is working together, essentially. Yeah, and I mean, that really harkens back to the whole concept of what private property really is and like how a business mm. as private property work. Like the mm-hmm. flow is so weird. Like we take it for granted that you got a hundred people, you know, working on a project and then some some dude in an office somewhere is the one who takes home all the gold. Like what's that about? Right. And, and controls know? the entire thing too and tells from the very to top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, transition <laughs> won't happen until we learn how to work together, you know, and that's really what this season mm-hmm. is supposed to be about is building that transition. And obviously we have a lot of ducks to get in the road in order to, to make that possible. Right. Were you going to add La- something there, Zach? I was going to say, just to kind of close us out here, Labra, I, I, I would like to know really like, I would like for you to expand on the motivations that drive this and where you think that this could go, where, you know, mm. if, Millions of people were, if you were in the Zuckerberg chair, in Zuckerberg's uh, glass-coated crystal tower space laser throne in the island that he has purchased and had the resources of something like that, or even just the people power, so meta, yeah, yeah. Metaverse. Um, What a supervillain. He he has uh, named all of his children um, after Roman emperors, and that's why he has the fucking haircut. He really sees himself as... Marcus Aurelius uh, Zuckerberg, and uh, is a terrifying individual, a really horrible person who has a singular effect on the world that is really unparalleled. I mean, even more than many politicians. He could flip a switch. He could say, all right, well, I, I don't know if he individually really could because Facebook's profit model is sort of based upon their current thing. But if we could, if I could make one change in the world, it would really be today. I mean, the first step to get other steps going would be change the social media algorithms away from profit and chaos and out and optimization for uh, engagement toward this sort of social connection in this holistic way. And we would, we would be living in a fucking Star Trek world within five years because people would connect with each other. People would be able to get their information across. People would be able to work together on their inventions and ideas to get the resources that they need because yeah, all the paywalls and things. But I was just going to say, Lavra, if you had that power or if you can see the people power building up uh, an application like this with uh, with others in its ecosystem, wh- where can this take us? What is what is the impact that this that this can have upon humanity? So 
I think it really could change everything. And I say that because, you know, the, the goal that I have and that any systems thinkers have is to redefine the rules of the game that shape our daily living and shape our you know, investment of time because our time is the most powerful thing that we have when we're allowed to invest it wholeheartedly and passionately. So if we can create a system where people are giving each other what they need to survive and they can, if they don't have it, make it and learn how to make it, if we can do that, then we free up people's time to do the things that are important for Mother Earth to stay alive and to keep existing. We free people up to do anything compassionate. No one has any energy to be compassionate these days. So we basically help people eat. We give them the tools to organize together and we're going to see uh, election campaigns changing. We're going to see reform in government because if people are more familiar with what's wrong, then they're going to be a lot more passionate with, about changing it. And if they have a place where they can all come together and say, yeah, we should do it this way, uh, everyone agrees, then it's going to happen. It's way more likely to happen. Um, and wow. if we can build up these networks, we're also going to see people a lot less alienated, a lot less detached, because they're finding people who are not just fun to talk to, but invested in the same kind of material changes in the world. So I think that we're going to be happier in our oh. daily lives if we can just invest and get over this hump. Like, I don't I don't want to code all the time every day. Like, I what, what do they say? The opposite of addiction is connection, <laughs> mm. right? Yeah, it, so. it does free you up. It makes you more open to new experiences and... It's, it's really healthy. Mm -hmm. Well, we can get there. I mean, we can encode this together and um, begin to uh, unleash the creative potential of humanity. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of problems that I really don't know the solutions to, you know, things like the aerosol masking effect or ocean acidification or, you know, the microplastics in our bloodstream or all of these issues that just seem so insurmountable that there must be solutions to because they're physical problems. There's a physics to them. They're mechanical, technical, you know, human problems, most of them social in, or in origin. But, you know, the, the answer for humanity, and this is what I say to the doomers who say there's no answer to these problems, almost as if they want them to be or to be no answer, uh, is that the answer is in humanity. The answer is in our ability to pull ourselves out of this unnecessary, struggle for survival. This was one of the great moneyless uh, insights that I had of realizing, wait a minute, all of our energy goes into either making more money to continue getting richer or just struggling to survive. And if we took that out of our time, if we freed ourselves from that, if we took that burden off our shoulders, how much time we would have, how much energy, how much excitement, how much possibility that we could have to come together and solve problems because that's what we do as humans and we are totally cut off from that in this addictive disconnected way we are cut off from each other we're cut off from our adaptation that allowed us to persist through the jungle 
which was not having thumbs, which was not throwing a rock, which was not making tools to kill people. It was being able to come together, put our heads together, and live as one. Mm -hmm. Survival of the friendliest, right? I like that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's originally what Darwin's what Darwin's message was. It, it got it got you know distorted and uh, shifted into the survival of the fittest thing. But originally, survival of the fittest meant survival of the fittest for the environment, which generally was the species that cooperated the most and that most helped benevolent. each other out the most. Yeah, exactly. Look at ants. Essentially, ants will completely sacrifice themselves for you know other ants. You know, without. Well, I don't know how much ants think, but <laughs> I mean, but that's kind of what they're programmed to do. I think it's estimated that ants of of all the, you know, I, I guess living biomass that's not plants, they take up something like 10, 10 or 15 percent of the living, like living mass of organisms on Earth. Wow. And that's how that's how successful that they are because they cooperate. A good yeah. portion of them are on my kitchen countertop right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, survival of the fittest it doesn't just apply to individuals you know we have to remember that capitalism is a system it is sort of almost an entity um it's at least a set of rules and look at how it's surviving now it's, it's a belief system it's well it it's is. also leading humanity to its due mm -hmm, we're about mm -hmm. to destroy the world through climate change <laughs> and it is unfit yeah. to survive right, right yeah, yeah. No, the climate really is breaking down it's, it's you know it's it's essentially just a breakdown of the systems that support life on planet earth you know true story though that's that's yeah. about it yeah so if we want to be fit to survive like it's not just winning in uh you know a fist fight or a business match it's actually working together that is what is fit for survival. We want to live, so we should do something that lets us live. That's all I'm saying, you know? And we have to get offline to do it, so I love that your right. app, it, well. you know, it is it's meant to organize people to do just that. Okay, Lava, closing, closing message, and, and shout yourself out, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep it simple. Make algorithms and systems that are powered by love, and in designing all of their rules and figuring out how your games are going to be played, think about how love can shape that and create something that makes more love, that is not a zero-sum game, that expands what is good and avoids what's bad. Think about ethics when you do algorithms and when you create products for the world think about how you are going to impact everyone else because you want other people to be thinking that way about you you want other people to care about you and if we at that basic foundational level define the rule to make the winners the people who are loving then we'll be happy Hey, thanks for listening, and if you made it this far, please hit that like, subscribe, leave a fucking comment, come on. We just talked for an hour and a half, you can't leave us one little comment. And if you're listening on an audio platform, please go to leave us a review. That really helps people find us, helps us stick out, and uh, I'm just going to tell you straight, like, leave the audio platform, go to YouTube and watch this outro because it's the best I've done yet. You have to do it, come on, do it, do it.
Do it. I'll wait. Did you do it yet? Okay, I, I knew you would. Alright, you ready? The old world is ending. And we have the opportunity to rethink everything. Whoa. The system pervades every aspect of our lives. It is everywhere on planet Earth, even in your own mind. We are all products of the environment it created. None of us consciously created the world we were born into, even its richest beneficiaries. Your own values were sculpted by culture itself as the manifestation of the ruling ideology of money. Whoa. We all face a choice. Maybe the first real choice of our lives. Do you take the red pill? Go back to sleep, keep playing the game, doom scroll Instagram, and focus on your own individual success at the expense of the whole? Or do you take the green pill? Subscribe to our Patreon for exclusive bonus content and reach out to join us to find your role in the revolution, to uncover the truth and work to create the new world starting in ourselves and our own communities and scaling out all over the world in a network that brings us into our true interconnected potential. Whoa, did you just take both pills? Yeah, man, the future is non-binary. There's not two narrow pathways that we can go by, you know, all or nothing fascist dystopian hellscape or utopian paradise. Many worlds are possible. And, and you know, the whole free will thing, it's kind of outdated, you know? We don't have free will, like we don't have free markets. They're acted upon. Society, we don't exist as an individual. We exist as a confluence of forces shaping us, acting upon us, influencing us. Whoa. Or do you take the green pill? Subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> God damn it. Subscribe to our Patreon for ex- Fuck! <laughs>